Well, hey there. My name is Pastor Tim, and you have found my podcast. I currently serve as the pastor of First United Methodist Church of Fort Pierce, Florida, and I'm so grateful to be able to connect with you in this way. This podcast is a collection of my sermons and teachings that I hope you will use to deepen and strengthen your connection with Jesus Christ so that you might go and transform the world around you. So kick back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode. Mostly because uh, saying I'm going to do something doesn't actually motivate me to do it. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to be honest with you. Like, you know, it's not like there aren't changes that I want to see in my life. I mean, part of my spiritual journey and part of just like being a, a clergy member subjects myself to uh, both self-evaluation and external evaluation. Like, you guys get to tell me if I'm doing a good job or not, and other people. So I'm typically very much aware of the areas where I'd like to see some meaningful change in my life. Plus, I'm married. So, you know, there's that too. <laughs> but what I'm, uh, I'm learning is that it's more important for me personally, and probably for you too, to define some kind of intention for a new year rather than just like a set of behaviors that I'm going to have. You know, like, like a real why statement or, or a why uh, like phrase that kind of undergirds all of the changes I may want to make in my life. You know, like setting an intention for a new season of life allows me to change and adapt the behaviors that I'm going to, to bring into my life and then engage with them over the course of time so that, you know, they better suit my trajectory of where I'm trying to go, where I'm trying to, to travel in this journey called life and following the way of Jesus. Essentially, you know, just having an intention rather than a set of behaviors allows me to not get locked into just like a, a, a narrow pattern of rote behavior that I just do because I'm going to do them, and, and rather to actually have behaviors in my life that serve the intention that I've put forth, that, that move me towards the direction that I am trying to head. And so, with all that being said, you know, I got to tell you that life, um, for the past seven years at least, that's about as long as I can remember, uh, has been very busy. <laughs> but particularly like the past seven years because, um, you know, it's just that's the way that my relationship with God has been formed and, and shaped over the past seven years uh, has been one in which I would say is more intellectual. I've been a, a full-time student for a long time studying to be a pastor, and, and that's just who I am anyway. I like to think. I like to solve problems. I like to be wowed by information, and so I've been really focused over the past several years on, on, on like studying and understanding the Bible and being able to communicate that to you, and I'm sure that you appreciate that. 
and I appreciate it too because it's a very big part of what I do here and how God has called me to serve him. But that does leave some space for growth. But besides that, even in my personal life, it's just been like, you know, busy. Always something to do or somewhere to go or something to get distracted by. And you can ask my wife and she'll tell you this. It's not really a good thing that I have the entire internet in my pocket. Okay? She's nodding. So anyway, my intention for 2023 and hopefully for the rest of my life is don't miss it. And that goes, you know, for my marriage, for my relationship with my kids, my relationship with the church, and you can probably guess my relationship with God. So if I had to narrow down, don't miss it, to like a single word, I would say abide. To abide means to dwell with someone, to be present with them, to stay day, which doesn't seem like it should be that difficult, but it's really quite difficult because we live in a world that is filled with distraction. We can literally be sitting in the same room as someone and not be with them. And the same goes for God. It's easy to forget about God. And so if that's you, um, you know, don't beat yourself up because I'm here with you. But also, there's like an entire biblical witness that's here with you as well. But, you know, there's one story in particular that uh, I think really, really illustrates this well. And it comes from uh, Luke chapter 10, uh, at the end of Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. And you may, you may have heard this a time or two. But it says this, Now, as they went on their way, he, he meaning Jesus, entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. You see, she had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. And so she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all of the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. You are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. And Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken from her. Now, I'm going to tell you that I'm the first one to say that I think Martha gets a bad rap in the church. But we'll talk about that some other day. Like, what Jesus is focusing in on here is, like, really important to making my point. So, so listen, Martha had God in her house. And she was too distracted to see him. And so, if you think it's difficult for you to not be present with God, just know that, like, he was sitting there and she was off out here doing everything else. And so you're not alone. It's okay, but there is a remedy. You can't stay out there. You gotta come back here. And so, you know, it's no wonder that it's difficult for people like us to be present with God. Like I said, internet, in the pocket. Come on. Whoever's idea that was, I have to talk to them. 
But, you know, uh, I want, and I'm going to guess that you want as well, to have and feel more connected to God. Especially, you know, if you've been reading your Bible with us, you've gotten about halfway through Genesis, and maybe you've realized, like, man, it must have been nice for God to just come and talk to these people. I hope they, they didn't miss it, but you also know that they missed it, right? <laughs> but sometimes we forget. We forget the reality that we are always in the presence of God. There's no place where we go in our day-to-day -day lives where we are separated from God other than in our own minds. So to abide with God in 2023, I think that we, that you and I both, could likely use a little bit of help in not separating ourselves from God upstairs in our heads. And that's really the point of this whole sermon series that we're in, which is called Brand New. It's about renewing our spiritual lives through the practice of spiritual disciplines that will ignite our love for Jesus, stretch our love for our neighbors, and transform our spiritual journeys. And so last week, we focused on reading scripture, but today we're going to talk about prayer. Because prayer is like the fundamental line of communication between us and God. Prayer is the beginning of abiding with God. It's this baseline fundamental recognition that God is present, that God is with us, and that we want God to be a part of our lives. And now, there's a number of different reasons why people don't pray. And people includes me. I know I'm like the pastor and everything. You should be like, dude, you should be praying all the time. But, you know, I'm a human being, and there's just a lot of stuff going on. So, But usually, people don't pray because they don't feel like they're good at praying. You hear somebody pray eloquently, and you're like, oh, man, if I could talk to God like that. But here's the thing. Prayer isn't something that you master. Prayer is something that masters you. And so don't worry about it if you think that you don't have the right words, if you think that you're just not good at praying. Because the reality is that there's only one bad prayer, the prayer that you don't pray. And so whatever that prayer is, pray that thing. But sometimes we don't pray because of something a little bit deeper. You know, as Christians, especially in America, our relationship with Jesus is very much connected to the art, the art and the act of worship, coming to this space on a certain hour of a certain day of a certain you know, number of weeks throughout a year. And when we pray by ourselves, we're confronted with something. We're confronted with silence. You see, what happens when we strip ourselves of, of the music and we strip ourselves of the community and we strip ourselves of the sermon and the entire church experience and we just sit down to pray with God, I think that some of us avoid this because we're afraid. 
We're afraid that when we do that, in that silence, we'll realize and be confronted with the fact that there's not really much to our relationship with God, that it's lacking. But there's good news in that. Because God isn't afraid of the silence. God isn't afraid of the, the bare-bones relationship that you might have with him. God is willing to meet you exactly where you're at and to build the relationship from there, from wherever you are in this moment. So, again, let's pray. Now, we get off the negative and onto the positive because it's a new year and we're trying to put a good foot forward. Here's the reasons that you should pray. Well, there's really only one main reason I'm going to give you. Jesus prayed. And you're here because you follow or seek to follow or are interested in people who do follow Jesus. And Jesus spent a lot of time praying. Jesus spent a lot of time talking about prayer. And I think it's curious that a man who was God spent a lot of time praying to God. You ever think about that? It's weird. It's like a That 70s Show kind of thought, but, you know, whatever, right? <laughs> you know, one of the things that, that I love about the Bible, there's many things, but one of the things that I love about the Bible is that uh, the authors have structured it in a way that can really emphasize a point. And so that passage of Luke's gospel at the end of chapter 10, which I read a few minutes ago, you know, has this concluding thought of Jesus where he emphasizes to Martha how important it is to sit at his feet, to abide with him. And then literally the very next thing that the author of Luke, whose name was Luke, wrote was this. He was praying in a certain place. Jesus. After he had finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And so he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us, and do not bring us to the time of trial. It's like Jesus is teaching Martha about abiding in God's presence. And then to emphasize the point, Luke immediately shows Jesus doing that very thing. And then shows Jesus teaching his disciples how to do that very thing through this thing that we say called the Lord's Prayer. And so this is for those of you who don't pray because you're afraid you won't pray the right things or you'll do it wrong. You can just use Jesus' formula. God, you are good. Forgive me, give me what I need, and protect me from evil. Simple. Not that hard. But if you're concerned that the stripped-down version of your relationship with God isn't good enough for God to care about your prayers or to listen to them, Jesus has something to say to you as well. This is the very next thing that he says. He says and then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend. And you go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for another friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked, 
and my children are with me in bed, I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you that even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. Now, Jesus is not just saying to, like, bug the living daylights out of your friends and your neighbors when you need something. Although, if they give you a hard time, you can just say, Jesus told me to do it. Like, I, I won't argue with you. But what Jesus is trying to say to us is, is persistence is key when it comes to prayer. God's going to listen to you. Even if you don't call him friend, he's going to listen if you're persistent. Jesus continues on and kind of furthers this point. He says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. So like I said, Jesus' point is pretty simple. Pray with persistence. Now, what, one thing that you need to understand is that this is not a promise that God is going to give you everything that you want in the way that you want him to give it to you. God's not a genie in a lamp. God's not a cosmic sugar daddy. Like, God is known for giving you what is good, whether you see it as good or not. And Jesus' final words on the matter are these. He says, Is there anyone among you who, you know, if your child asks for a fish, will give them a snake instead? Or if the child asks for an egg, will you give them a scorpion? If then you, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who seek and ask him? There's a lot in there, but it's kind of this blunt statement from Jesus that, like, God isn't going to give you bad gifts, even if you ask for them, which we often do. God is in the business of saving us from ourselves, even when it means saving us from the desires of our heart. And so all of this is to say that we pray because prayer is how we give up dependence on ourselves. Prayer is how we relinquish control of our lives and turn our hopes and our desires over to a God who knows what is good for us and plans to give it to us. Prayer is how we find comfort in knowing that we aren't going at this life thing all alone. That that life with all of its trials and its tribulations and its pain isn't on us alone to navigate. But mostly, I think what we need to understand here is that prayer is for everyone. You know, last Monday night, Buffalo Bills safety DeMar Hamlin took a hit on the football field. And when he stood up, he immediately collapsed. He suffered cardiac arrest on nationally televised Monday night football. And it was terrifying. Medical personnel worked on him on the field, eventually stabilizing him enough to transport him to the local hospital. But while they worked on him, all around him, 
was the entire roster of the Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals players praying for him. And all around them was a stadium filled with clasped hands fans waiting in prayerful anticipation. But perhaps the most unlikely thing occurred a little bit later on. ESPN analyst Dan Orlovsky stopped in mid-conversation, in mid-broadcast, to call everyone in the studio and everyone who was watching on national television into a time of prayer. And there, on national TV, America prayed, something I thought I would never, ever see again in my life. It was a powerful reminder of how we are called to react in moments of powerlessness, in, in moments where we come face to face with the fact that we cannot control the situations we find ourselves in. You know, DeMar Hamlin is still in critical condition. He woke up and he asked if they won. But America still prays for him. And what I want us to see is that in this very public moment, the immediate reaction of so many people was to pray. And I believe that's because it's, it's written into our very DNA to be a people who seek out a connection with God. And the very thing that we think we don't know how to do or, or think is reserved for professionals is actually something that we know how to do as soon as we stop overthinking it. But the problem is we often overthink it or we don't think about it at all. We forget. We get distracted by the business of life. We get distracted by the internet in our pocket or distracted by our own self Reliance. So what are we to do? You know, there are these places called monasteries all around the world. And within them, there are people who reside called monks. And among other things, especially in Christian monasteries, monks devote their lives to prayer. And I think that this is the idea that we have in our head when we think about people who are serious about prayer, like, there are these people who are just like, don't do anything else with their time. They're monks living in a monastery separated from the world. But the funny thing is that the only real difference between you and I and monks in a monastery is that monks have recognized how deeply distracted they are by this world, and so they have separated themselves from it. Monks aren't better at praying than you and I. Monks are better at structuring their lives around prayer because they have stripped away all of the things that distract them from acknowledging the presence of God. And so my call on us, and myself included, is for us to pray like monks. Notice I didn't say live like monks because... As much as I complain about it, I like having the internet in my pocket. Sometimes I need to know things. I just said pray like monks. And monks, well, they just pray like people who aren't too busy to commune with the living God. 
Monks pray like people who want to be in the presence of the one who has chosen us and who chooses us again and again, day in and day out. So praying like monks simply means choosing God each day the same way that God chooses you. And monks do this by having a routine of morning, midday, and evening prayer. Three times a day. It doesn't seem like that much. But also, it's really easy to forget. Now, this isn't meant to be something that's legalistic and like you're going to get in trouble if you forget. It's meant to be something that is transformational. It's meant to be a time throughout your day where you refocus, where you recenter, and where you recommit yourself to abiding with Jesus and doing the work of Christ in the world. And so I'll admit that, you know, I'm not like naturally gifted in this particular area. It doesn't come to me naturally. I, I had to build a rhythm of prayer into my life, and it's going like, okay. It gets better and better as time goes on. It's becoming more normal to me. And it's becoming that way because I've built prayer into my routines. But perhaps the most basic and easy way to get into a rhythm of prayer is to simply take time before you eat. Because I don't know all of you, but I am just going to go out on a limb and say that you probably eat like in the morning, at midday, and in the evening. So that could work for you. Or perhaps you commute to and from a place called work. That's like two of them right there. You just need to remember to pray at lunch. My wife is the queen of car prayers, and she, how she would give you one piece of advice when praying in the car. Don't close your eyes. <laughs> but the where, the where of it all is not as important as the intention that you set. See, at this time, I'm going to acknowledge and be present with God. I'm going to, at this time of the day, abide with God in a real and tangible way. At this time, I'm going to lay my worries, my complaints, my hopes, my dreams, and my will at God's feet. I am going to rest in God. I'm going to be a part-time monk. I'm going to stop missing God's presence. See, I promise you that if you do this, your life is going to change. What goes on outside of you might not change, but what goes on inside of you will. You will start to know peace. And you will truly realize what, what Mary felt at the feet of Jesus, what Jesus' disciples felt as they lived and walked with Jesus, what a stadium filled with football fans felt last Monday night, what a nation of people felt when a football analyst felt the overpowering need to sit at God's feet and pray. That's the peace that we see. That's the peace that we look for when we bring ourselves to our Savior in prayer. And so church, let's be a church who prays in 2023. Let's be a church filled with people who sit at the feet of Jesus.
come to you today, and we just ask that you would show us how to pray, that you would give to us just a heart that is oriented towards you, that you would show us how to sit at your feet, that you would show us what it truly looks like for us to set aside all distraction and choose you the way that you have chosen us. That you, God, would be the, the foremost desire of our heart. And that like, like Mary, like the disciples, and like so many after them, that we would sit at your feet, that we would commune with you, and that you would bring to us the peace that surpasses all understanding, that you would move in our hearts to know your will so that we can more properly do that out in our world, that you would reinforce the good news of Jesus in us so that what we take to the world is truly good news. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the resurrection and the gift of your Holy Spirit in us. And so we submit ourselves to you to be your church, your people, your body, bound together in mission and ministry to this world. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.